Okay, now we're up and going. Um, I really appreciate the time that uh, our family, that we go each year as a family to New Wine, and I really appreciate that time. Uh, I feel that it's been important to my children uh, and their journey of faith. And both Sue and I also appreciate the fact that I go as a punter, and so in meetings I don't have half, half a mind on the practicalities, um, but uh, I'm just able to concentrate on what's there. I know that many of you who asked us how we get on at New Wine each summer could be forgiven for thinking that uh, it's a time when we're nearly blown away or nearly flooded out, because um, that's what we tend to talk about. But I really do think that God has spoken to me in some of the talks uh, each year. And I find that it's important at this time of year to actually think about what God has been saying to me. Otherwise, I arrive at the next New Wine thinking, wow, there was all that good stuff, and I've done nothing about it. I was going to talk to you about uh, living in the reality of unfulfilled longing this morning. And if after hearing what I've decided to talk about, you'd have preferred to hear about that, then do talk to me afterwards, and I'll give you the highlights. But on Monday, as I got back uh, into work after a week off, an email from Rural Ministries caught my eye. Um, the lead article was titled, Let's Be Beautiful. And this year at New Wine in the Mornings, Simon Ponsonby was speaking on aspects of the spirit. And I was particularly struck by um, one aspect that he talked about, which was about beauty. And my thinking as he talked about this was, do I show beauty when I serve Jesus? Does the bus bring beauty to the communities that it visits? What does that look like? Um, and I've had some thoughts and ideas about that, but the Rural Ministry article was really talking about that, and it helped me put further flesh on the bones with it. And so with it popping up, as I was beginning to collect my thoughts on what to speak this morning, I really felt that it was something that I'd bring to all of you. So in Isaiah 61, a passage that's probably um, uh, well known by all of us, Isaiah writes that the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour and the day of the vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to provide those for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. They will rebuild the ancient ruins, restore the places long devastated. They will renew the ruined cities, that have been devastated for generations. And of course, you all know your, your Bible really well. In Luke 4, Jesus is in the synagogue. He stands up to read. The scroll from the prophet Isaiah is handed to him. He reads out this passage. And then as he sits down, he says, today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. And so the passage from Isaiah is about Jesus. He came to preach good news. He came to set 
the captives free, and he came to crown with beauty those who grieve. And of course, we all know that God is a God of beauty. As many of you know, my parents um, recently moved to Chippenham, and just after they moved, I was driving them to our house for dinner, and my mum commented, she said, I, I can see why you fell in love with Wiltshire. It is very beautiful. And God's creation proclaims his glory. If you read the Genesis account from the third day onwards, God looks at what he's done and sees that it is good. It's not a case of that'll do or not bad for the time I had or the bake-off excuse. It didn't quite, quite like that in practice. And of course, with God, good means perfect. And despite our best efforts, there are still places in this world, like Wiltshire, that we can see the beauty of his creation. If I went round the room offering each of you one wish that had to be used to improve, uh, to make you more beautiful, I expect that uh, most of you, I tried this out with Roy on Thursday, he told me it wouldn't, he wouldn't, but I expect most of you would ask for some change in your physical appearance or in your body. And whether it was a few less grey hairs or a smaller nose or the shedding of 20 pounds or a more defined six-pack, we would choose something that would make us look better. But if we truly believe that we're created in the image of God, we should see our physical appearance as beautiful. And of course that doesn't negate the importance of eating healthily or exercising regularly. But beauty though is not skin deep. In my late teens I was chatting to a friend and the subject of her younger brother came up. And she said that he was a horrible brat of a brother. And that was before he went away on a Christian summer camp. And while he was away he became a Christian and when he returned, he'd completely changed into what she described as a lovely young man. And I'd seen that change in him, and I'd put it down to the fact that he'd grown up and become more, more mature. But then when she commented, I understood the full reason for it. And so God beautifies us. When we come to know him, he gives us his Holy Spirit as a guide and a comforter, and as we allow the Spirit to change our lives, so they should exhibit the fruit of the Spirit. As it says in Galatians 5.22, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. A person whose life is laden with the fruit of the Spirit is infinitely more beautiful than the hottest Love Island contestant, whatever the world thinks. So, God is beauty, beautiful, he beautifies us, and he calls us to be beautifiers. Perhaps a bit unfair, but let's have a, you know, a quick discussion between yourselves. Can you think of a time, a story... Um, where you or someone else brought beauty to a situation.
Right, if you want to start bringing your conversations to an end. So, any thoughts? Any good stories? Dave's shaking his head, so obviously not. <laughs> or were you, go on. No? Anyone? Peter. Right. I remember many years ago there were two roads in uh, Chippenham which were classed as needed some sort of help. One was up in Pew Hill Way and one was Woodlands Road down in the, in the middle. And um, Day Spring Church chose to try to help Woodlands Road. And um, we worked there for quite a long time. I don't know if it was one year or two years. No, I think it was three or four. Oh, three or four. <laughs> but um, we not only transformed the physical state of that road, but we transformed the uh, community in the way they worked together and in, as individuals there. And we changed that road and as far as I know, it's um, a road where the house prices went up because it became so different. People wanted to live there. And so that's when we brought some beauty to the area. Yeah, we did. No, uh, so I hadn't even thought about that, but that. Even now I can drive down Woodlands Road and in my eyes, I used to drive down it on the way home from work before we started working there. And I can see it as it was, and I look at it now, and it, it is transformed. It's, uh, it's uh, really well remembered. Anyone else? Yes, Carol. No big stories, but um, Helen sat down and went, nothing. And I went, you lie. I said, because I'm sure at some point in your life you've been kind to somebody. Um, and sometimes you don't know you're being kind until afterwards when people say, that's really kind of you, and you think... Well, yeah, I suppose it was really, <laughs> and stuff like that. So, yeah, yeah, that's you know that's what it's about: showing love, kindness, um, showing the love of Jesus to people. Anyone else? Go on. Uh, this is uh, something that happened. Um, when I became a Christian, uh, it was uh, I was working shifts in a factory, and um, during our days off, I became a Christian, and it was a big change. I looked different, went back into work, and um, a friend of mine who was the nurse on our shift, she looked at me and she said, "What's happened to you?" Because it was then, it was obvious in my face that something had happened. So I told her uh, about finding Jesus, I mean, him finding me. And uh, she said, well, if it's made that much difference to you, I want the same for myself. Promptly knelt down on the clinic floor and gave her life to the Lord. Wow. So <laughs> it, it was a powerful change. Yeah, yeah. Do you want to say anything? Well, no, it, 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 just, it just went on from there too because there was a Muslim man who then 
turned to Christ afterwards as well, knowing him as a father, which was unusual for them. Right, wow. So again, that's, that's like the story I was telling earlier about the brat of a younger brother. Do you know what actually looked different in you, Tony? Did you, had you noticed it? Or? Sorry. Well, everything, everything right. changed. Okay, and yeah. I, I was very aware of a big change in me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I didn't, I'm, I'm not sure that I knew my face looked different. <laughs> but obviously it did. Yeah, yeah. Well, obviously something was shining out of you because of the change. Isn't that amazing? That's uh, the beauty that God brings. So in Isaiah 61, we've got some ideas on how we beautify. Good news to the poor. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? So it's not just the materially poor, is it? Binding up the brokenhearted, freeing the captives, release from the darkness for prisoners, comfort for all who mourn. Again, in each case, we can think of those who are actually in those situations and those who are figuratively there. Rebuilding the ancient ruins, restoring places devastated, renewing ruined cities. Some of the new volunteers with open blue do not know Jesus for themselves. And from the outset, I felt that it's right to be clear that we are a faith-based charity, that we hold Christian values, and while we do not require them to be Christians, we expect them to align with those values. And how do we deliver opportunity? What does a community built along Christian values look like? I've actually had to think through that because I need to describe that to them. And I've used the fruit of the Spirit as my starting point. I think it would be amazing if as people came on the bus, they felt the love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. For some of the young people, how I react when one of them has nicked somebody else's shoe and has thrown it out the top window or a window on the top deck of the bus and it's ended up on the roof of the bus. I need to act with self-control while conveying that uh, what they have done is not acceptable whether they meant the shoe to end up on the roof or not, and how disappointed I am with their behaviour, and that it's not right in any circumstance to nick someone else's shoe. And if I can get that right, that will be different from what they see in other situations with other people. A month ago, Wiltshire Dreaming was seeking God for Wiltshire, and one of the in-person events was praying from the top of Clay Hill near Warminster. And you could see much of Wiltshire laid out before you in one direction and in the other direction because we were close to the border you could see a lot of Somerset. And at one point as the prayers petered out I uh, took a peek around the group and I noticed that everyone had their eyes open and they were looking at the view. And I really got a sense that we were mesmerised by the view and the beauty of it. 
And I thought, what would it take for people to, who are coming to Wiltshire not only to say how beautiful the countryside was, but to actually say, wow, how beautiful the towns and the villages and the hamlets are. And that not being about the fact that they were chocolate box pretty, but being about something they sensed and what they felt when they were there. You know, when you visit a home, you can feel whether it's a loving home or you can feel the tension in it if it's not so loving. And I feel that if our lives are full of the fruit of the Spirit, that will pour out of us, it will beautify our homes. Could it spill out into our streets? Can we bring God's beauty to our neighbourhoods? What does that mean for our families, for our friends? Tony's talked about for work colleagues and for neighbours. And what would it look like? The article I mentioned at the beginning listed some of the projects Royal Ministries support that the writer felt brought beauty. One I really liked was Wild Church. That's church for those who need to run around and laugh to learn and to draw close to God. Would we welcome people like that in Dayspring? How willing would we be to change what we do to make them feel love, joy, peace and so on. And I'm sure if we become a community full of the one-anothering that Dave has been talking about, then we would. The article also went on to make the point that Jesus went to the outcast and the marginalised and that there was a cost. So he went to tea with Zacchaeus and people judged him. His disciples were surprised that he spoke to the woman at the well. And of course, eventually, as we celebrated today, it cost him his life. And while it's unlikely to cost us our life at the moment, are we willing to obey the promptings of the Spirit, risk our reputation and standing to bring God's beauty to those around us? So, God brings beauty. It's a beauty that, while recognised by the world, is often not prized by the world. And are we, as the Spirit prompts, ready to bring that beauty to our family, to our friends, to our neighbours, our work colleagues? Are we willing to make our homes, our streets, our neighbourhoods and workplaces places where people experience the fruit of the Spirit? Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for your beauty. I thank you for the beauty that we see in your creation. And I thank you too that as we allow your spirit to work in our lives, you bring a godly and a holy beauty to them. And that beauty can draw people to you, point people to you, can show your glory. And Father, I pray that... Uh, so we go from here. We will be open to the promptings of the Spirit. We will see where you're at work and join in. And that we will look to bring your beauty to those that we interact with this week, Lord. Amen.
Thanks, Dave. Excellent. Right, there's tea and coffee are going to be served into the foyer while they get in here ready. If as you get up to go and get your tea and coffee, you take your chair and put it at a table. Yes. And then we'll wait for the summonings by the teens. Everything's cooked, ready to go. And we'll sit down and have fellowship. Oh, you might have broken it. <laughs> you'll, you'll be really sorry. <laughs> um, and if you don't want to eat, that's fine. But do stick around, have some fellowship with each other. Um, there'll be sausages. I think it's sausages. Well, it smells like sausages. Okay. The sausages are all gluten-free. Apart from the vegetarian ones, okay. So, yeah. So, but they're, they're vegetarian. Uh, no, they're gluten-free by default, okay. They're not the horrible... If you've ever had those horrible, dense, gluten-free ones that are like cardboard, they're not like those, okay. Just, just try not to put you off wanting to stay. <laughs> Yeah, the taste, the different. They're just ordinary taste. The Sainsbury's taste the different sausages, which just happen to be gluten free. Okay, so chairs to the table. You can get once you've got your tea and coffee, you can come back in and sit at the table. So that's not a problem, but it just allows us a bit of logistics room. Is that okay? Does everybody know what's happening? Good. Okay, go.